speed about a neck in front. Southport Tycoon moves up boldly. Southport Tycoon takes the lead, draws a neck, draws three quarters of a length in front and won the Australian guinea. The lonely heart grows cold and old. Inside the 200, Tropical Squall led the way. Up on the inside, Steffi Magnetica. Learning to fly is grinding. Tropical Squall's kicking hard. Steffi's in for the fight. Tropical Squall and neck in front to Steffi Magnetica. Tropical Squall clings on. A tissue up to Holy Man's and Carini. A tissue gets its neck in front of Holy Man's Carini, Ayrton and Macram. A tissue clear. She'll be the sixth man to win it. A tissue scored three quarters. Think it over, a length to Lindemann. Fangirl is closing in. It's Think It Over, a length and a half to Fangirl. Think It Over is kicking hard. Think It Over wants it. Fangirl can't get there. And the King of Kembla, Think It Over, was able to beat Fangirl. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. Yes, with a bit of Buddy Holly, welcome to year-round carnival. Each and every Monday, Vince Accardi and I from Daily Sectionals have a good look at what happened in the best racing in Melbourne and Sydney on Saturday. Fantastic at Flemington, Australian Guineas Day with a blamey. We heard some of the highlights there, Matt Hill's calls, courtesy of Racing.com. And in Sydney, the uh, big... Surround so stakes won by Tropical Stall, Squall, rather, and the group one that we just heard, Think It Over, Vince. If ever you want to take on Nash Willow, you've got to think it over, don't you? <laughs> well, yes, yes, you do. How are you, Ralphie? Good, Very interesting, these tracks. Oh, oh, so we'll get some list of questions. We'll get straight into them, actually, mm. with the list of questions. By the way, if I didn't say it, uh, Sky Racing Audio, courtesy uh, Darren Flindell's work, courtesy of Sky Racing. Let's let's get straight into it with uh, with a question here from Daniel. How wet really was that Randwick track? These really slow first sections at Randwick, especially late in the day, was this track condition or wind related? So that's a, that's a fair question there from Daniel. Uh, also, um, as we swing into the to that uh, result there from the Group 1 uh, from T. Hey, Ralphie, was Fangirl beaten second up flatness? J-Max Arrogance or Nash's great ride? So maybe a, maybe a bit of a combination, but maybe something else as well. Vince, how did you, firstly, how did you see the track play at Randwick? Well, no question, given that they put the sign up pretty quickly for slow five, right? Yeah. They should have had it up from race one. Yep. And perhaps not race four or five, as they indicated. Yes, there was some wind factor, but overall, no doubt around the back, that ground condition was definitely in the slow range. Even in the home straight, despite the the final 200 metres coming above benchmark, obviously it was tailwind assisted. And when you normalise it, that was actually in the in the negative as well created some interesting things. You can always usually tell, Rolfie, at this track, as soon as they want to sort of get away, roll a lot further than normal away from the fence turning for home, you know there's problems. But you just have a look at the day and the speed they were travelling at. I I don't know what they did because I didn't check for watering-wise pre the race. Yep. But the reality is... 
this is very, very bad. As soon as a bit of rain comes, it turns into rubbish. It was funny. I mean, I'm, and like I immerse myself in Melbourne racing, heads up, but I do the Sydney data with you, and this is pre or post work, and that, that's it. But I do remember Nervesh Randani data used to cop a bit of a uh, pasting for Randwick, but that was, from my memory, weather, but he would love a fuss too. Um, so it, it, it suggests to me, and I'm just hands off, but I'll, I'll put the question to you. It suggests to me that currently the, uh, the hoses come out a lot more. The hoses come out a lot more, no question about it. I'm looking forward to when we talk about Flemington because oh, that was so very interesting as well. Track-wise, we're talking yep. about track the way it played. But in the end, this is the ground that you race with and the tailwind saves the day on the scorecard in terms of performances going upwards overall, but the reality is if there wasn't that tailwind, we would have uh, probably been rock solid S6, so that has an impact on a number of horses that probably aren't as good or as dynamic in the wick round, and of course if you're using a certain level of energy with the headwind and the, the softer conditions heading into that home straight, it, it's a lot tougher, even with the tailwind assistance, it, it's still a lot tougher to be able to finish the way you'd like and, and just to back the truck over here, if you get our sizzlers, you get Vince's uh, IVR report, there are helicopter views, if you like, of each section of a track. Now, once you see these IVR reports, there is no question about what you're seeing because Vince clocks them between each 200-metre two, section from the 800 home and prior to the 800 metres. And when you see the lead speeds of minus 3.6, minus 6.6, minus 2.1, minus 6.1, minus 12, minus 2.3, minus 3.3, minus 8.8. The, the second last race, minus 12.4. You just know that that is a badly affected track. Now, how much of it's rain, how much of it's uh, hoses, we don't know definitively, but we do know that it's much slower in those sections. Of course, and you can even see it visually. There was a, yep. a good level of kick up. But unfortunately, this, or fortunately for some, depending on how you look at it, right, because there's still going to be 10 winners, Rolfie. Yes. <laughs> so 10 people are at least smiling in terms of owners and trainers and things. But the reality is it is a little bit sad. Not a lot of rain turned it into that. I mean, that that's probably what I'm more frustrated with. In the times gone past, we've seen it. Ramwick was horrific in the wet weather, if you remember, like absolutely horrific. There was no such thing as a heavy 10. It was dead set. I created a new scale, heavy 15. Exactly. But that that, that wasn't the weather last week. No, no. no. And what's prevalent, though, is that as soon as they get a bit of rain, it's no good. Like really fast, like quickly it, it deteriorates. I don't know what they do to fix that, but maybe one of the things that could have helped, if they didn't put any water at all on the track, now I can't confirm it, I have to have a look, right? If they don't put any water and it's just that little bit of drizzle that came through or there was a little bit of rain on the Saturday, then maybe it would have been a lot better. Yeah. So let's get to the very elegant uh, uh, stakes. So a couple of parts as as we break it up, break it down and, and say what actually happened and why it happened. Now we covered the Apollo. We didn't cover the uh, the very elegant on our preview pods, but I remember how bullish you were about thinking over in in, in 
the matchup with with Fangirl first up. Now the market had it seven dollars fifty and two dollars ten. Now Fangirl was fantastic; she was awesome. But there is an old school fundamental, Vince, about using the SPs. And on Saturday, the swing was eight fifty to a dollar thirty. Now that is just at some stage you're going to say, "Well, are we do we want to take Wink's odds in your race speed profiles?" You summed it up saying, "Just fine and think it over." Two runners we can't be dismissed lightly. They both have required levels from a data perspective to put themselves inside the winning zone. There's the key point. And overall profiles will see them both genuine top three aspirations here. So Nash was in the winning zone, and ultimately. It seems to the eye, and now I've looked at the data. James McDonald wasn't on Fangirl. What's your ex- what's your what's your <laughs> take down from it? <laughs> well, that's the old story. He was he, he was smoking the pipe. Yep, and maybe justified in some ways if you give consideration to Fangirl's not a star in the wet. This is who I was yeah. To. Yep. Yes, it's not it's not a star in the wet. So. He he he's he's not silly. He probably said, "Okay, well, we're just going to have to conserve more because all we're going to do is just blow ourselves up." And perhaps yep. the run would have been a lot worse, right? And once he got himself in a better situation, he had some assistance of Tailwind. He conserved that energy, and the horse hit the line hard, but it was never going to pick up the winner. Now, if the track was a lot drier, make no mistake, I, I feel the outcome might have been very very different. In terms of now, this is no knock on the winner, of course, because the winner's got plenty of ability and has to be highly respected as a racehorse. But this is what's happened, Ralphie. I mean, I don't really want to turn around and say, okay, did J Mac get it wrong? 10.3 lengths below benchmark first sections versus 6.9. Okay, the head starts four and a half lengths. Yep. That's the head start. Now, if you look at the overall finish, Unfortunately, J-Mac couldn't pick up that four and a half lengths. He's managed to pick up, well, on the NPS margin, the same 0.3 is the margin. But uh, he's probably picked up two and a half, three. And the squeeze was pretty big. Uh, Of course, what does that mean to future? Maybe that means Fangirl will be a better price in in its next start. Well, I guess it's just going to come back down to where they're going to be racing and what's the track condition going to be like at this time of the year. I can't believe it. We're summer still. Last prep, second up, Fangirl ran third at Ranwick over a mile to think it over. Her her figure was 0.8 yep. off a very, very slow tempo. Here she's produced 1.7, think it over. That day produced 2.7. Here he's produced 2.5. That's his range. Uh, so Fangirl, it's a circumstantial thing. One, as you say, tempo, two, track condition. And last prep, third up. Well, good luck beating her next start, if that's what she's going to do next start, because that was the uh, the um, the King Charles, the new uh, race or the upgraded race from the old George Main, uh, when it beat Mr. Brightside 5.6 lengths above benchmark that day. But here's the thing, Vince, it was going minus 3.7. So it was going seven lengths faster, first 800 metres, and that, of course, has a lot to do with the uh, track condition. Yeah, and what about the last 400 that day? How'd it go? Plus 9.3. <laughs> Off a much faster tempo. That yep. helps you sort of solidify. Like I said, if there wasn't that tailwind in the home straight, yep. I, was check, I was checking the speed during the course of the day and it was fluctuating a bit in terms of how much wind assistance you get. But if, if it wasn't there, Ralphie, you would easily, easily be taking off three minimum. Yep. I just want to round it off. There's, there's something in Australian racing that's happening at the moment with short price horses. 
and I think that's got a lot to do with corporate bookmakers and sports betting. This is a bit lateral, Vince, but it's now so easy to take a multi between an NBA game and an AFL game and a race at Kembla Grange, whatever you want to do. You can, you can transfer it. That's what they let you do. We're now seeing odds on horses, in this case, say a fangirl, $1.60, maybe it should be $1.50. It's $1.30. They just get insanely short. And sometimes you're going to be brave and say, either, as you would say, stay out or if you want to have a bit play, think it over, beat Fangirl second up last prep. That's true. But, of course, I was I heard someone was saying that one of the other factors is a lot of the – because a lot of people do different types of betting outside of horse racing. Yeah. And very often the prices are very short and maybe $1.30 is luxury. They would look at this price now saying, well, this is good price. And, yeah, the multis are creating a lot of havoc and That's definitely, I mean. yeah, definitely changing the landscape. But still, ultimately, we've got to get the winners, Ralph, and you've got to be on them. That's the <laughs> bottom line, isn't it? Absolutely right. Well, uh, Gay Wardhouse, Adrian Bott, the, the unbelievable season continues with Tropical Squall leading throughout in the uh, in the surround stakes. Uh, if you look at your, uh, your race speed profiles on the Saturday there, the IVR pass profile, and we said this off the top in, the, in our preview podcast, she had the best figure going in. The question was, what was she going to do uh, fitness-wise? Well, the group one says, turn up fit, uh, but also it comes down to how the track played on the day and how well it was rated up front. And if you get a slow tempo and you get to the best ground first and you're fit, you're going to be pretty hard to catch. Yeah, well, there it is. That's the beginning of the, the tape, is it? An 8.9 lengths below benchmark first section. In terms of yeah, in terms of speed for this size field, a hundred percent that there was a lot of controlling up front, and they were over the soften the pace. Even when you allow for some ground conditions, they've definitely softened the pace by about three lengths. So yep. therefore, you got four to five lengths that you're going to give on the ground conditions. Another three lengths that you're going to add for the softening, and there's the beginning of the game. And then the tempo's on. And it becomes such a tough game because when you've got to have an extension of 14, 15, 16 lengths of mid-race squeeze, particularly under the situation of the way the ground is, and you and you have a multi-track play, right, in terms of ground condition, it's so tough. And where did you want to be? You wanted to be up front, of course, and as cl- the closer you are to the leader, the better it is. And maybe there's a... Depends on how you want to look at a horse like Steffi Magneta and where you place that to give you some further frank. Now, this is a horse that has not been able to break benchmark in any of its performances. And Bjorn Baker is a very good trainer. He has the capability of being able to find more with his uh, horses and, and as they evolve. But the reality is... Here we are. We have a scenario where this horse has been able to run second, and maybe that's a, a sign of what the race was like. But could I, I put it to you, Vince, that maybe it was like its only real slow track was a bolting in a maiden easily. So we yep. don't know. Maybe it's a superior wet tracker. And also, let, let's have an August mindset, if you like, here, because August is often that that sort of uh, pincer movement between class and fitness. This horse had deep fitness coming into it, so maybe she's very good in the ground, had deep fitness, and some of these others uh, didn't have that fitness base. True, true. I mean, the stable did say that they expect more improvement to come from the horse, so yep. it's definitely got a nice race for, from that point of view to get that. So, yep, what can I say? I mean, some of the others were, in my view, a little bit disappointing, but just the way the race shape played, 
probably didn't help him, Rolfi. Like, let's say, uh, is it Kamachi? I felt could have done a lot more. Yep. But then I look at the setup and saying, okay, well, you're already giving virtually four-length head start. How big can your squeeze really be, right, in, in a race like this? And 14.5, that's a big squeeze for this horse. When you just look, even though, like, it hasn't had a lot of racing, but I look at... It hasn't been able to get anywhere near that in any of its race starts in terms of mid-race squeeze. So that probably was huge. Can I ask you about uh, this third horse? Uh, Chris Waddler's been, I think, uh, gave a bit of communication. This is Oaks Philly. Uh, Hayden's asked, what was the mid-race squeeze of Tudor La Vida like in the surround? Oh, okay, yeah. So that was 16-length mid-race squeeze. It was big. It wasn't the biggest on the day, but close enough to. Yep. They just, all the runners, with the exception of one, and that one runner, which is very interesting, Zardosi, didn't make the top 10 big squeezes of the day, to give you an idea, Ralphie, right, mm. on what it was like. But, yeah, that was a that was a fantastic run as well. Just can't overcome that handicapping head start, Ralphie. Well, it tells you that uh, if he's saying this is his Oaks Philly, this is a, it's a pretty fair kickoff. Good kickoff, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, one of the uh, one of the more intriguing races, and and this was the the sign that uh, be careful of how wet this ground is. I mean, mm-hmm. and you might have done your money, or you might have been watching. But race two on the program here, Al Cobison, as uh, as we heard in the call, the Rose Hill track record holder. Well, you're not going to break a track record on a on a soft track. You're going to break it on a on a good track, which you did in that lead in run. Uh, Tashi, who we put a bit, we actually sizzle three of the runners here. Tashi Pirelli and Al Cobison in this race, of course, and Tashi's one. Al Cobison, disappointing if you're on him, of course, but he was a bit soft in the market pre-race. What's your assessment from a wet track perspective? And uh, we actually have got a, a listener question as well here uh, from Darren. He's asked, thanks for the pod. I'm interested in Sydney race two. Al Cobison's fail after running 4.2 last start. Mm-hmm. What happened? Does it appear to have a margin in this field? And <laughs> we'll get to the other point he's bringing up uh, when we get to Melbourne. But what's your assessment there with Al Cobison, what he did last start, what he didn't do on Saturday? Well, it's very funny, Ralphie. I'd had a number of bets planned for Sydney. This was the only bet I ended up having, and it was, uh, you know, in Sydney, that is, and it you know, obviously didn't leave a good taste in my mouth, right, in terms of overall performance. Because you sort of, how's this horse going to miss the first two? I just look at the race. 6.6 lengths below benchmark first section. But in the mid-race, three and a half lengths above. Decent squeeze, 10.2. Last 400 metres, 3.1. Horse spinning the wheels, if you want to call it, compared to some of its other performances. Was that the case? Was it the ground condition? What was it? Because it was the first time this horse has had to feel some wet ground, other than one run that I found at Newcastle. And... There was the failure, and it was at 900 metres. Now, okay, it was first up. Maybe that's the reason, but that horse had a horrific last 400 off a no-speed first section. Like, I mean horrific, like 7.2 lengths below benchmark last 400 when only travelling 4.4 lengths below benchmark first section. So that gives you the insight of that horse spins wheel. And it's never easy to say because I also planted my money on this horse and the reality is the track conditions is the only factor that I can bring into play because this horse was traveling in the race all the way 
overcome a little bit of adversity, but that finish wasn't there. Yeah. Um, a couple of two, the, the two-year-olds, some big talking points there. Stormboy, obviously the Golden Slipper favourite, winning the Skyline. Uh, Manal winning the Sweet Embrace, the Phillies there. So we'll make that the members' bonus podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you're a member, if you're a Group 1 member, that is, uh, you will get the bonus podcast. We'll do a deep dive in those runners from a Golden Slipper perspective and also anything else that may have come from that race. So once again, if you want to be a member racetrackralfie.com.au click through the links you'll get the podcast on uh, on purchasing if you're not already a group one member for uh for $20 a month uh we are corporate bookmaker ad free a lot of people like complaining about corporate bookmakers uh, they can please themselves but if you want to support the fact that we don't have any connections whatsoever become a member and you'll get that list of members get best of the week as, as well sent to them as well as emails each sunday vince uh, i'll just do one more in sydney the guy yes. walter stakes was this a similar situation? We actually put a sizzler on uh, Hell Hath though, Fury to Midweeker uh, in January, but I just mentioned about the August type form. Uh, was this a case of uh, wet track, deep fitness, uh, out bobbing, the much classier hinged Hell Hath, you know, Fury versus hinged? Well, let, let's, let's look at this, right? 15 lengths below benchmark, the winner was travelling through the first section. A. Barrier troll. <laughs> yeah, bar- for sure, definitely barrier troll. But the ground had gotten worse. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. Home straight, you know, pretty solid wind assistance. Been able to finish off the last 400 metres with a plus 5.7. The surprising part was for both horses, this is for the winner and hinged. They both broke benchmark and... Th- Unbelievably, they both inside the top 10 for the day. 0.4 above for the winner, 0.3 above for Hinged, ranking 7 and 9th for the day. So when I look at it from that perspective, it's probably been a good run by both horses under the circumstances and the conditions. The question is, are they backable commodities on a more even type play into the next start? And that, that's the big key. Because a big mid-race can flatten you. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And it was this was like the mid-race here, They were that whole card in that last race, they were massive. There were a couple of runners that broke 20 lengths, mid-race squeeze. I mean, that's crazy. The winner in this race has had a 17.9 length mid-race squeeze. This is big for these type of horses, Rolfie. But um, this is the outdoor sport. That's the game we play, and... Sometimes the chaos theory is right into your chest. I wonder if hinged has three weeks between runs, what you're saying is on face value, that would be ideal. They, it would be. I guess they would be probably happy because this was a horse that's probably just found a little bit hard to find its best form. Yep. And you could see that the Waller team had done a number of freshen-ups to try and steer this horse back on track. Is this the race that's going to give you that confidence? But when I look at the overall performance, the plus side for me is it broke benchmark and you got inside the top 10. Uh, all right. Now, let's swing to Flemington. Daniel, who gets your uh, your Rapro platform, so he's on to under data-wise. Uh-huh. Uh, Flemington, no horses breaking 11.50 last 200 or 22.50 last 400. Flemington indicates to me something was up with that track. No fast tempo races for day, and third section last 400 for most horses was below standard. Vince, we always say, or well, you always say, and you clock uh, tracks all over the world that uh, Liam O'Keefe is the best curator you've seen. But what happened on Saturday? Well, we talked about it this elevation issue. Yep. You can see 
with absolute facts now, the impact it has. Now, he has a job to do. He's got to keep his track in pristine order. And realistically, if we're looking at it from that perspective, he's done his job, right? He's worked on how can I make it even, Stevens, right? And give everybody a fair chance, I'm assuming, right? Oh, sorry, just on that point, sorry about him, but this is also he would have the challenge knowing that next week's the new market and then two weeks after that's the Australian Cup. So he's got three, three uh, sorry, I think it's three and five weeks. It might be three weeks between the Australian Cup. But he, So we, he's not just preparing that track on Saturday but also preparing the tracks for the new market day and the Australian Cup coming up. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the performances on the day – Right. Let, let's let's just run real quickly. And I, I always <laughs> say the roars are the golden rule because it's a section of the race where is no adjustments, no nothing. It's purely based on the clock. And we got race one minus eight point six, race two minus seven point six, race three minus twelve point nine, race four thousand meter race minus four point nine. Race five, minus 6.2. Race six, we're pretty deep in the card, right? Minus 2.2. Race seven, huge field, splitting everywhere. And I can't believe it, like, where the horses, where the winner wanted to go, right? Yep. Minus 4.4. That tells you a lot, Ralphie, right? So the only race, race eight, 2.4 above. Then we're 3.1 below. Then we're minus three. Does that give you the tail of the tape? Would you be sitting there saying, oh, we're on a slow track? Well, let me tell you another one. Within your your figures that you've just said about, and these are lengths below benchmark that you're saying. And for mm-hmm. instance, for Estriella, 1,260 records you've got at Flemington. <laughs> so I reckon that's a deep dive where it's 4.4 lengths below benchmark. 91st best last 200 of the day. How often can a horse win a stakes race? with the 91st best last 200 of the day over 1,200 metres. Not possible. No, and the horse won the race through because of the first section. That's what I mean. Yep. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to the why, but I'm just saying that that just means this track on Saturday was just – I know wind must have had an impact, but there's no way aeration didn't have a, a bigger impact. Oh, no, the aeration definitely had an impact, and you've also got to look at it like this. They went to the inside in a giant field. That's not common. No. To say, the boys said, hang on, the inside's better. Yep. That gives you further confirmation. Now, that to me, I believe is unfair racing. Well, they've prepared the track for next week. Yep. Well, that's not right. Yeah, that's not right either, right? Of course. So, from my perspective, for a day like this, to have the well, I'm calling it all, well, it is, it's all the races bar one. Yep. We've got a slow, I mean, if you, and the track isn't slow. Right, this is the elevation of the track of the of the grounds. This is the impact it does, and the elevations can make it feel like for some horses, like they're on slow to heavy ground. And this is what you're seeing. I mean, Estriella plus one point eight first section already deteriorating between the eight and the four hundred to point six below, minus five point six last four hundred and four lengths below last two hundred, and the second horse. Couldn't break benchmark last 200 minutes. Even Caballus, who didn't have the same breather as Robrick, right? Yep. Could only produce 4.4 lengths below benchmark. Last 200. 
And, and and before anyone says, well, you know, you, you're talking through your pocket or you're in a bad mood. No, I'm sorry, I'm all right. And Vince, uh, you had you said you had one, one uh, A grade bet, or maybe it was a B grade bet, but yep, in the end, that was your that was your summation. And people can listen. You can listen now to what we did if you didn't get our preview podcast, and that was a tissue. So you were a happy man as far as results are concerned. What you're saying is how the track was playing. This is all I'm talking about. I mean, I only had the two bets at Flemington, and. I was already very nervous about this erivation. Yep. And then Liam in the morning, you know, he's talking to us, man, I've seen it before, like what happens. Yep. It, it's so dangerous, right? Now, even putting that aside, right, it still was going to be a tough day, but it just it just got harder, right? What can I say? I mean, this is this is what's happened. This, And then I look at, well, we've got to look at it, right? Let's look at the tempo of the day, right? Where did the winners come from? We had two races, and this is alarming. No further back. If you're more than four lengths back, a tissue, the only run of 4.3, you're in a lot of trouble, Ralphie. You're in major, major trouble. Again, this has a lot to do with it. For Flemington, a big track like that, that you realistically... Now, you put two races aside, the two-mile races, just pin them to the side and say, okay, let's get rid of those two-mile races. Everything else, if you're further back than 1.4 maximum, you ain't winning. You are not winning. All right. Well, um, we'll get into the winners. And you can, as I said, you can listen back to how we did the preview podcast last week. If you want our preview podcast this week, the new market, uh, I'll, I'll be, I reckon the most confident bet this week is that the track will be perfect. We've got no weather and uh, a week of the uh, aeration to recover. Anyway, if you want our preview podcast, racetrackralphie.com.au. Click through the links there. If you're an existing daily sectionals customer, you've got an audio only top up. Let's get to the main race, Vince. And uh, as you said, perfect position is where you want to be. And uh, what we have from the from the two two of our probably start well uh, two of Australia's great riders at the moment in Damien Lane and Jamie Carr. Damien Lane one by one on V8. Jamie Carr one by two on Southport Tycoon. Following Damien Lane. Yeah. Well, firstly, Southport Tycoon. No surprise. I actually thought all along that was the better of their two two options. This is for the Mark Camp about who yeah. the better horse was. This horse had already showed that it had. It was quite capable. When I now look at the performance, it was actually fantastic, this victory. Firstly, 1.1 length below benchmark first sex. Now, under normal conditions, you say, well, that's not really that much. But given the circumstances of what the ground was like and what horses had to battle with during the day, this was fantastic. And when you usually have that sort of speed, you can typically get a much more dynamic mid-race move and finishing speed. But again, just the way the ground conditions were made that impossible. But this horse still managed to go 2.3 above between the 8 and the 4. And one of a few runners that clearly broke benchmark over the last 400, but only just over the last 200. Like 1.2 above for the last 4 point two above for the last 200 metres. And you can see it, peaking coming to the six of the four, and we just seen this deterioration. They couldn't give any more. Now, V8, probably, I felt the step up did a fantastic job stepping up to the mile because I thought that was going to be a challenge for the horse as well. Maybe the speed saved it. Maybe the ground saved it. I don't know. But 0.3 above that first section. No 
decisive move in the mid-race, around two lengths above benchmark overall. But you can clearly see this horse and actually the bubble burst hitting the 400-metre mark. And that is another sign for me, confirming like what I thought that this horse would be some sort of a challenge yep. hitting the mile and deteriorated with a minus 1.4. Now, that doesn't mean that this horse isn't going to be stronger in the future at a mile, but just the way this race set it up gave the optics at the run looked a lot stronger than what it really was. But I'm, you know, bringing all factors into play here. And you only have to look at that last 200 metres, 60th best today. That's like a mile off. I, this is also worth taking into account that the McAvoy team were umming and ahhing about taking on Mr. Brightside over 1,400 and possibly even going to a new market because mm. they, they just knew it was at the end of his distance range. So Damien Lane's given it the absolute perfect run and what you're saying is the data saying he's just fallen off a cliff. Maybe uh, a horse who did win the Australian Guineas for him but ended up becoming a, a champion sprinter. I'm not saying he's going to be a champion sprinter, but hey, Doc, this horse, uh, this horse might in time be, become just a sprinter only once he uh, gets out of the three-year-old grade. Well, no question, this horse is uh, loaded with you know great potential, yep. and plenty of talent, no doubt about it. Like I'm looking forward to the future of this horse as well, and hopefully they can keep it sound. And it's going to be a money maker as long as they keep it racing. But the winner, this very good horse, Ralphie. This is a <laughs> very, very talented horse well and the leading data was also indicating that you know i'm here to play and the ride was sensational i mean look at the ride i mean timed it to perfection but also the superior horse at the distance when you you know balance it all out but unbelievable if you now really look at it carefully and this is the way i looked at it southport 1.1 below riff rock at 2.6 below like another length and a half further back still considered to be a golden position v8.3 above they're all very similar in terms of how far above the benchmark you were between the eight and the four. But then you look at those micro splits. <laughs> Jamie Carr, unbelievable. <laughs> right? 0.3, 1.9 above, 1.1 above, 0.2 above. Just that gentle slide. Then I looked at Riff Rocket, 0.5 above, 1.8 peaking. 0.1, I thought peaking. Then 0.4 above. So probably not the cleanest to run in terms of energy distribution. And no doubt this this oh, Riff Rocket's going to be extremely hard to beat in any race moving forward. So that was a pretty solid run, given that I didn't feel it was going to be suited by that run. That race, 1,600. So, all right, I'll I'll, I'll ask you just some complete off the top of your head questions and just whatever you come out with. I'm doing the Daniel Kahneman here. Mm -hmm. If if you haven't heard of it, look him up. (laughs) Southport Tycoon. If he was running at Caulfield two weeks over a mile, what could he do from 2.3 here? Okay. Let's let's just see if we can get any. I, I was looking at it just before. We came on just to see, okay, what's the potential for this horse in terms of how much more can it elevate or are we now coming to the top? Well, all right. This horse is still making steps upwards. Yep. And there is this possibility that this horse could climb another length, maybe two. But I don't believe the horse is ready to go to a plus five. Which is probably what Mr. Brightside and Pride and Jenny are going to do in the All Star Mile. So that's their challenge. You know, this this horse has you know, got the, on the technicals. See, now I, I want to bring the Waller hat. He said it once. Sometimes you really never know what a horse is truly capable of doing until 
they keep rising and rising in the grades and then they sort themselves out and sometimes they surprise they just take that next step so this is the platform for this horse is perfect rock hard fit super super in condition the only medicine that it hasn't tasted is what happens if the pace is 10 lengths faster than what it's used to having that's it Yep. That's 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 the uh, the darkness on the horse at this Which point. Which might do, but what but what you're saying is they might they they should probably have a think about it. <laughs> I'll put it this way: it's definitely better than the other horse, the Colorado. Well, Kinga, and and uh, that accepted. It, it it was one horse who had a legitimate. Uh, he pulled up with the IPH, so he was out of play. But uh, the, the horse he ran. Well, that's right. It could have been the heat, but Riff Rocket and Cap the Farrar. Heat. What the heat. What's that? The heat. No, no, I'm just saying EIPH can, can happen at any stage at any yeah, time. Yeah, okay. So no, no, fair enough. The horse just wasn't right in the day. Riff Rocket, can't help thinking. Chris Waller's first ever group one was a don- was a Doncaster mile with a three-year-old triple honour. Is, is it Doncaster or further up in distance, Riff Rocket? Well, I hope they go further up in distance. Yep. Personally. But yeah, I'm not going to say no for anything that Mr. Waller does, but everything sort of points that this horse is trending in that one direction, upwards in distance. He's losing a bit more speed in terms of his early pace. He isn't going to gain it back. Like, he's not – well, yeah. maybe if he has 30 days off. Oh, well, that's what I mean, a fresh yeah, up into the Doncaster. It's, it's so. possible, mm. but it's a, it, but it's it's stiff competition. Let's see what he does. Uh, but Cap Farrar, he's been communicating. This is his derby horse, and <laughs> – there, there is a history of uh, maidens have won derbies before, so it's just circumstantial that he's a maiden. Is this is he trending the right way? I suppose is what I'm asking for twenty five hundred, given what he did in the spring, and now he just looks a stronger horse. Well, if I sort of put put the lens on and say let's let's compare it to say someone like V eight, who you know was just having difficulty was getting the mile. Their last two hundred meters were identical, and Cap Farrar only went 1.5 lengths slower through the first section. So that's probably, if you line it up like that, it's probably been a pretty decent effort. In yeah. terms of, is this the horse? It's probably just a bit early yet. All right. Well, you were smiling with uh, a tissue in the blamey, and so were our people who uh, uh, the the um, who listened on the Friday. This is what we had to say about a tissue on the Friday. So can I ask you this question? If yep. Pride of Jenny was in this race or Brightside, well, first they'd be the two at the top of the markets. By a long way, yeah. Right? And what price did you say a tissue is? Uh, hang on. Just let me uh, – I just had it off the, off the screen briefly. $5, I think. It's, it's, it's an each-way opportunity. So any reason why it's not $2? Well, I, I, I'd say the reason is – I'm with you with bullishness, but I'd say the reason is it first up run eighth, beaten 6.6 lengths. But where, where did the, all those horses that were out the back, they stayed out the back. And, you know, we've already seen Pericles, for instance, who was beaten four lengths that disappointed the market last week. It ran a terrific second to Mr. Brightside. So those horses that were out the back on that race shape on that day, they were out, just out of the play. $5, Vince, and you said it should have been $2. Well, you got overs then, even though it wasn't, it wasn't $85 on the Sunday. No, no, but they, there was uh, there was there was fours, and there was it was pretty it was pretty good odds for a place as well. Like there's plenty of one eighty around, so that was pretty good. I felt for this horse, but the ride, 
unbelievable. How good is he out of the jockey, out of the barriers? This bloke, Blake Shed. He's he's very smart, Ralphie. Boom. It's and a get it, back out. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is the thing you see about the power of the riders making such a big decisive outcome in, in your thinking process when it comes to betting, right? Yeah. And how important that is. And he. And we, we articulated on this. He's just like on oh, point. And, and that was delivered in spades in this particular race. When you look at the, what he decided to do, and it was the winning move, Ralphie. It really was. 5.3 lengths below benchmark first section. If you look at the prism of the day, but the speed was minus one. The move in the mid-race, I felt was golden was only a 3.9 length mid-race squeeze. He left all the energy for the last 400 metres and he's produced a 3.4 lengths above benchmark, outstripping the whole field. And then when you look at the day, right, this is this is, this is is the real crazy thing. There was only one other horse that went better than that and wow, and that horse just like blew me away, right? Went better than that in terms of the last 400 uh, above yep. benchmark. So, fantastic performance. Goes to the Australian Cup. Uh, Chris Waller was saying uh, his, his inclination was to miss the All-Star Mile because uh, he, he said she's a Flemington horse. 1.8, what's her projection that uh, she could produce in an Australian Cup given we've seen her at Flemington a couple of times at 2000 and she's dynamic there? Yeah, would it be a big field, Ralphie, or...? I don't... Th- well, here's the thing. So, at the moment, Mr Brightside's dominating the betting. Just It's all in betting, right? So, he's very tight. If Pride Jenny goes out and runs 10 lengths above benchmark, 12, 15 lengths, whatever she does at Caulfield, and Mr. Brightside has a gut buster, I can see the Hayes boys saying, you know what, he's done his job, well done, he's won three from three, we're either going to freshen him for Sydney or we might even give him a spell and come back again for the Cox Plate. So he's no certainty of running in the race. And in that case, the field will be big and uh, because everyone, there'll be many trying to have a go. It doesn't mean many will win, but it might uh, open up the field a bit. Yeah, will Fangirl go there as well? Well, I suspect Fangirl stays in Sydney and Atisha okay. wins this. Oh, okay. oh, sorry, not wins it. More well, might, but uh, it might be the well target. Okay, right. Okay, perfect. Got it. Well, the reality is this. I, I understand that fully in terms of, if you look at the profile of this horse, 2.8 above benchmark last campaign, and that was a 2,000 metres. If I put the race matrix on it, the indicators are it's rock solid four in, in the plus four range. Yep. Even when I look at the run before that, the horse was able to trend upwards from a mile to 2,000 metres. So everything points to this horse being right on target to deliver that type of performance. So it's going to be a a situation as to whether you can produce a performance better than that to win it. So the runner's behind it. I don't see any horse that finished behind it, even though you might look at some runs and say they were impressive. Well, they looked impressive. Yeah. They're not going to get – they're not going to – it's got that field covered. I don't know about others, but it's got that field covered. What are we making more of Massa? Good good squeeze as a horse who, you know, it's uh, if you're at the back, as you said, you, you, you were out of play. But more of Massa as far as going forward, it's qualified for the Melbourne Cup. It had a really good spring last last uh, prep. Was, it, was this a good pass mark for it? Well, in terms of – we talk efficiency of rides between, let's say, a tissue versus Mura Massa. You can see the first thing. It's going 3.7 lengths slower through that first section. So that's anticipating like what this race tempo should be like. So you're already gone in terms of position and running. 
The extension in the mid-race of 9.3, which was the second biggest in the race, was uh, also not good. And mind you, <laughs> Bustler, 10.5 lengths mid-race. What were they thinking, these guys, right? Yeah, these are the these are the riders that got it terribly wrong, right? Terribly long in terms of first section, terribly long in terms of well, then what they had to do in the mid-race. And then you look at the finish, right? Miramasa's finish was 1.6 lengths above benchmark last 200, and the winner was 1.9, did more work right across the board other than the mid-race squeeze. So... That six lengths difference of energy distribution has that sort of impact. So I'm thinking about what you're saying, Ralphie, and saying, well, I don't believe the horse could have done any more under that circumstances because it wasn't an, an, an efficient ride. Well, it's $15. That was his kickoff run. So I'd say it, it, it definitely wasn't aimed to come to play first up, but yep. what, what it did first up is, is, a, is a nice kickoff. Beautiful kickoff. Yeah. Estriella, let's finish with this up the straight uh, that we've discussed. Uh, again, Blake Shin, he just he rides the horse to suit the horse and to suit the pattern of the day. What about this speed early relative to the day? You've touched on it, but everything else, it, like I said, 91st best last 200 of the day, but the stable have a good opinion of this filly. She's evolving. We put the big circle around her after Caulfield. I know that wasn't fighting the Tasmanian Tiger because it, it looked good, but it was good, and it's gone good again. <laughs> <laughs> to, to muck up my English. Ralphie, first of all, gutsy. Yeah. Like, takes a lot of guts to do what, what they did, and the tactics paid off. One one of the things that was really known about this horse going into this race, it's one-paced. Now, what it's been able to do, they've used the maximum amount of energy they could through the first section, going 1.8 above. A- if we take it in the context of the ground conditions of the day and what this horse has done in the past, right? You had to go all the way back to the Gosford run when it broke benchmark first section. That was in its maiden race over 1,100 metres. Now, it didn't quite have the finish that you would like, but in terms of its confirming that it's a really solid one-pace type runner, it got it. It definitely delivered that in spades. That also does create some challenges for that horse into the future, that it is going to be in a situation where the race pace will will clearly determine its possibilities of winning because if you have a fast, slow pace scenario set up, that could be very detrimental for this horse. But on the day, the ride, it was brilliant and the horse delivered them even with a massive deterioration in the last 200 meters it delivered and that they understood the horse ralphie and is it ultimately the best horse in the field no i say it was the ride interesting all right uh finish with brenton hey mate firstly got the quaddy off the preview on most advances thanks guys got a bit lucky after late scratching in the last one payout too so uh, uh darren's also touched this this was just a redness of the last race in the uh the quaddy sub we've just got to do better than that in 2024 seriously with technology we uh, we keep politics out of here but Come on, look after your customers. Uh, and another will was another big talking point from the meeting from the Kieran Mars table, just dynamic. It was in the benchmark 84. So what we will do, we'll do, do that in the members bonus as well. So if you're group one member, I'll get Vince's take on another will who just progressed and exploded in race six. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival.